0: Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts, a unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys Podcast. It is my pleasure to have as the guest on the show, Hazel Flint-Jones. Hazel is the mother of two amazing boys, one who is 23, and the other, her angel, was still born at 21 weeks. In memory of her son, She started an organization called Maddie's Memory in October of 2012 to provide support for local area hospitals. Maddie's Memory has spread nationwide with some international interest as well. Hazel is a trained bereavement doula and midwife and has helped local chapters of different organizations that help families through difficult times during pregnancy and childbirth. She has provided many newspaper and TV interviews on the topic of stillbirth and the work she does. Hazel has been recognized by former Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett, U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin, and also received a citation of commendation from State Senator Latanya Johnson. Maddie's memory was also named a finalist in the Best Nonprofit Human Services Organization and the Best of Milwaukee Awards for 2021 and 2022. Hazel, thank you for joining me today on the Teaching Journeys podcast and thank you for the impactful and meaningful work that you're doing in honor of and with your son.
1: Thank you for allowing me to be here with you today, I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, it's my pleasure to have you here. And with that, I know some of this has already come out in the bio, but please give our listeners an understanding about the event or events that have gotten you to this moment with Maddie's memory. Take the, the listeners to, to your own life path.
1: Well, basically I found out in April of 2012 that I was pregnant with my second child. Um, I was beyond excited, very, very happy, you know, to be a mom again. Um, I had a 12 year old son at the time. Um and you know we were thinking myself and my husband great this is you know the completion of our family um july 19th of this that year um i started bleeding and was put on bed rest by the doctor um and the following tuesday is when i actually say i felt my son pass away everything in me changed that day but I was in that mind of, no, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. I'm just where I'm on bed rest. July 26, I went for a scheduled ultrasound and received the news that my son's heart had stopped. Now, the only thing that I remember is screaming. My eldest son was with me. My husband was there and literally from that point on everything is so much of a blur as to what happened like procedure wise i know i was admitted um and was induced july 28 of 2012 my son was born very quietly into the world at 1 34 a.m and the only people who were, you could hear crying that day when he was born was myself, the doctor and the nurse who were in the room. All three of us cried. He had a blessing service at 3.04 that morning by the most wonderful, wonderful man who did not speak English, but the passion in the words that he said in Spanish was just beautiful. You could hear the raw emotion in him. I was discharged from the hospital the same day on July 28th at 9.30 in the morning. And I left the hospital with just paperwork that said my son had existed and a hat. Um, And I got home and I thought, this is it. What? This is it? You know, I have paperwork that says I had a baby. I don't have a baby here. I have funeral home paperwork, you know, dates of when his funeral was going to be. And I have a hat. That's all that says my son existed. I spoke with my sister at Great Lance, who was also, we were both pregnant at the same time. I spoke with my sister at Great Lance, and I said, something's got to be done. This can't be it. And she said, well, when you left the hospital, what would have helped you? And I said, Bereavement help, something that said how to cope with this, Um, help saying where to turn, where are the support groups, where are the people who have walked this journey before me? Why am I let into this world completely alone with no one to tell me how I handle the rest of my life with the death of my son? And she said, do something about it, be that change. And to begin with, it just started out with me doing memory packs. Now, I don't know if you're aware, but October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And I flooded every social media app I had with pregnancy and infant loss information to the point where I think some friends got quite annoyed and said, you need to do a page. Put all of this on a page where people who are bereaved can come to. Thought that's a good idea. So I mentioned it to my sister and she said, just do it. You know, stop talking about it. Just get it done. You know what needs to be done. Get it done. So that's when on October 15th, which is when the International Wave of Light is for pregnancy and infant loss, I put together memory packs, which basically is a notebook and a pen because there's so much information you want to write down that you forget Uh, there's a led candle so that when the baby is born in a hospital that you can have a candle lit but obviously you don't want to light a real candle so we put an led candle in there we put a blanket a teddy bear a baby's hat a bracelet for mom um a little Container of bubbles because I always say that I send bubbles to the heavens for my son so bubbles um, And other little items and it varies from Over the years it has varied greatly as to what else we put in there, but that's our basic thing And we started by just donating that to the hospital where my son was born and then a nurse reached out to us and said Um, My hospital doesn't have that. And we heard that you've donated these items to St. Mary's. Could you send to us? And then another hospital. And then another hospital. And then another hospital. And very soon we were donating to all the area hospitals in Milwaukee County that had labor and delivery. And then it spread to Waukesha County and Racine County and Kenosha. And it went on and on and on. So I basically went online and said, I need help. And that's how I met my best friend eight years ago. I met my best friend who was also a bereaved mom. Her son was killed in a tragic, um, trucking accident. He got hit by a bike. He was on a bike, sorry. He got hit by a truck and passed away and she wanted to do something. She didn't know where to turn. So we worked together and we created this amazing, to me, an amazing organization. And during that time, I decided to train as a bereavement doula because I know what it was like to be left alone, you know, with my son. You know, I was left by myself Um, and I needed somebody there who understood, who had been through it, who you know, had that compassion. So I wanted to do that. And then over the years, I turned those credits and trained to do the same thing, but in a midwife capacity and just help families and word spread, you know, we've helped, we've sent items worldwide. And I'm not, this is the, to me, this is one of the best things. My name isn't Hazel anymore in the baby community. I'm Matthew's mom. Mm-hmm. And Matthew is the name of my son who died. And to have people say, oh, you're Matthew's mom. It brings that same wonderful feeling that I get when people who get to know me because of my eldest son who say, oh, you're Robert's mom. Mm-hmm. I now get your Matthew's mom. And hearing people say his name and acknowledge me as his mom now is just phenomenal. That's basically how we spread.
0: Wow, that is quite a progression and I think too when, and for speaking for me who's experienced the, uh, and I call it the transition of a adult child, anytime anybody remembers my daughter's name or identifies with me, as hey, that's Janine's dad, and I get a sense of pride as, again, as much as I do, you know, when I they remember my living sons as well too, so... I think the fact that the biggest gift that we can get is that people remember who our children are both living and who have transitioned. And I think it it sounds like you, you've you've put together a tremendous amount of resources and really just some nice nice resources and touches to make sure that in, parents who have experienced the death of a child due to stillborn loss are is is are remembered. Uh, oh, absolutely. So I, I I think that's great. I think that's absolutely great. Can, I, can and also I've, we talked about this. You got a marvelous accent. I know i have gone off <laughs> off script for a little bit. And I, you are originally from England, am I correct?
1: I am originally from England. Yes.
0: And now you're in the state of Wisconsin. Is it, are you that you're in the state of Wisconsin? And but you got a lovely accent. And um, I, I just had to just had to say that's just delightful. So.
1: Just, it does actually help me in what I do as well because people remember the accent and then, it, every, you know, when they hear me speak, everything comes together and they're like, oh yeah, I remember you now.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it does have its benefits in doing this too.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. It's great. Um, can you tell our listeners what makes child loss um, during pregnancy and infancy and, and new, still more death, different from other types of child loss and just loss in general. What do you think makes it so unique from other types of child loss and other losses?
1: Pregnancy loss is basically a very tab- taboo subject because it brings in for a lot of people, when does life begin? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people will dismiss pregnancy loss no matter when it happens during pregnancy, whether it's an early miscarriage through to a full-term stillbirth, as not really being a child because you don't have those memories of, you know, a child living and breathing. Um, And so people want to hush it aside. You know, you get the... Don't talk about that. That's, don't talk about that. Or people want to justify the loss somehow. They want to say, okay, there was something wrong with the child. the The child was disabled. The child was deformed. The child had something wrong with it. And in certain cases, that is true. But it's not every case. I want to say about of cases of loss, there is no known reason as to why. When families are in a position where, you know, they're given consent to their child having an autopsy because we want answers. I did the same with my son. I wanted answers. 70% of the time, there is no known reason for that child's heart to have stopped beating. And so, you know, it's, You get that, well, are you sure that there wasn't something wrong with the You know, and people, and it's in our nature too as well. We want answers as to why. Um, The other thing that we get is, as a parent, is a lot of people will put the blame on us instantly. What did Mm -hmm. you do? What did you eat? What did you drink? What did you do? Did you go in a hot tub? Um, So it's easy to blame parents and to or to say there's something wrong with the child and that it's nature's way of stopping a disabled child from being born and i've heard so many different things over the years but it's such a taboo subject because we're raised in a society where you know as long as mom goes to the doctors takes her vitamins does everything she's supposed to. Babies are supposed to come into the world healthy, crying, robust. Um, And when it doesn't happen, people want to hush it up.
0: Yeah, and that's... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. They don't want to
1: talk about it, and they don't want to acknowledge that that death causes a parent so much anguish. Um, And that's why in the maternal depression and postnatal depression the rates are a lot higher amongst bereaved parents because we have to deal with not only postnatal depression that some of us get regardless mm-hmm. of whether our children are born alive or deceased but on top of that you've got grief and it's so hard for people to understand that those two things can cause so much anxiety, you know, so much more anxiety, so much more depression. And the maternal death rate within the first year from suicide is high because of that. But it's a subject that people just don't want to talk about. They don't want to open up and listen to a mom who's saying, please just listen to me, please help me.
0: Mm -hmm. And you know, the thing in, in, I teach a death, dying and bereavement course at Utica university, and we talk. About miscarriage and newborn death. And one of the things and I, I think you touched on this you know very eloquently is that one of the things I tell my students is that individuals who don't understand the challenges of, of, for parents who have experienced the death of a child due to miscarriage or stillborn loss is that is because they see it as a lost pregnancy and not as a lost child. I I could tell you from my experiences with my three kids and my my wife told me, she goes, the minute I found out I was pregnant, that was my child. And so I tell my students, don't treat stillborn loss, miscarriage loss, newborn death loss, however we choose to phrase it, treat it as a lost child. Otherwise, it becomes disenfranchised grief that... for for individuals who are, you know, it gives those parents who have experienced that maybe not the permission to grieve it because a lot of people are saying, well, you can, it was just a lost pregnancy. You can have another child. And that's probably the worst thing you can say to a a family who's experienced a death that nature. You can have another child. Maybe there's a circumstance where you can't. Maybe this was, you took whatever steps you needed to take um, to make sure that you could have another child or have a child, and, and this would, and if this didn't work, you were gonna be able to have it again. So it's being mindful of the fact that child loss is child loss uh, regardless of cause of death, regardless of circumstances. And if we can recognize that, we can be present for all kinds of loss and honor all kinds of loss.
1: Absolutely, because you don't know the lengths that that person went to get pregnant, because we don't sit there you know, and share all of those intimate details. Mm-hmm. myself and my husband had been together for four years when we got pregnant with Matthew. And since losing Matthew, we've had other early pregnancy losses. We haven't had what is termed as a rainbow child, which is a child born after loss. And we've been told there are chances of having that rainbow child, a very, very slim. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we grieve, and that's where you come into secondary grief because we grieve the loss of our child, but we also grieve the loss of the fact that we're now facing infertility issues, which is a loss in itself. Yep. Because nobody talks about that to boys and girls when we're kids. You know, we're taught oh, you know, this is the reproductive system and this is, you know, how babies are made and how, you know, and everything is also cookie cutter and sugar coated. And nobody tells you that there is that, that determination of infertility that could come along. And, you know, facing that and being told that was a secondary loss for me and Hit so hard like why 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 did I have one healthy pregnancy? Out of seven pregnancies Mm -hmm. And I'm blessed don't get me wrong. I absolutely love my 23 year old. He's made me a grandma I have a six nearly six-month-old grandson who is a joy But I look at us together as a family and it's like There's someone missing my precious little boy is missing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other pregnancies that I lost, they're missing, and that's a secondary part of grief that I don't think people get.
0: I, I think you're right about that. And the other thing, and this is something that, you know, I kind of, I kind of pondered about when we were, you know, you know, when, when I look at these type, these type of losses, uh, newborn losses. Um, is that, basically, the only memory you have is the memory of when they were born and holding them for as long as you could before your child was, was, was taken. And, basically, I, I've had parents who have talked to me about having their memories produced by watching the milestone events of other children who had their child that lived, would have grown they would have grown up together. So if, you know, if the, I had a parent who experienced, uh, had the death of a child due to a newborn loss, and there there was somebody, one of their friends that had gotten pregnant and had delivered a healthy child newborn, um, so when that, that, that child went into kindergarten, that parent who would, that grieving parents could going to say that should, that could have been my child. So basically, I think they grieve memories that are based on the milestones of other individuals who, um, had their child lived they would have been their children would have been playing together they would have been hanging together and I think that's something that I think also needs to be to be understood as well too is that memories are constructed differently yeah
1: and for me as I mentioned my sister was pregnant at the same time um, and 2012 was a horrible year I was it was a bad year um my niece was actually born on my son's due date so. My niece is the exact age my son should be. So it's very bittersweet seeing her grow and her her hitting all the milestones, knowing she is the exact age my son should be. You know, myself and my sister laughed saying that my son's due date, um, my son was kicking my niece out, saying, come on, you got to get out. We got to have this day as a happy day because my niece was literally born at 11.56 p.m., on Matthew's due date so you know that was it's a happy but a sad day for me but it turned into a very sad time and as I say 2012 was bad because the same sister then died of pregnancy complications due to her but delivering my niece 12 days later so I lost my son and my sister within a six-month period Um, so it was You know, very difficult because my one confidant who knew everything about my pregnancy, aside Mm -hmm. from my husband, was also gone. So she took those memories with her, too. You know, there was things that I spoke to my sister about during my pregnancy that I didn't speak to anybody else about. And she's taken those memories. So there's those other memories that are gone now as well.
0: And not only my condolences for the loss of of Maddie, but also for the loss of your sister too. Those are two very, very difficult losses, all with its unique challenges. And like you said, with siblings, you're going to tell your sister or your brother things that you wouldn't tell anybody else. They right. become um, they become your confidant, and you you lose that you lose that part of that as as well as the memories that obviously you shared with her you know, during your pregnancy and during, during that phase of your life. So that has also gone. Plus, within a six-month period of time, you're talking about dealing dealing with two very challenging losses, each with its own set of, uh, of unique circumstances. And that had to be, I think, particularly emotionally and, f- and physically draining as well, too.
1: It was. It really pushed me to the, I want to say literally to the edge, where if I didn't have, my husband, and my eldest son, um, the outcome could have been a whole lot different. We'll just put it that way. Thankfully, you know, my son was doing things with, he was going into um, middle school, and he was dealing with middle school issues, and Wanting to be on the football team. It's like, Mom, I want to be on the football team. Mom, can I be on the football te-? You know, that ramblings of a 12-year-old boy, <laughs> which you mm-hmm. can appreciate. They want to do football. They want to do baseball. They want to play basketball. And it was like, oh, my gosh. So he kept me so busy, which I'm so thankful for because, as you know, a lot of times when you're alone with your own thoughts and feelings, that's when a lot more problems can arise
0: yeah I remember reading a meme that said Um sometimes our old our own worst enemy lies between our two ears and those yeah, are both...
1: absolutely oh my gosh yes absolutely
0: and uh like you, I have been there many times and particularly in the throes of early grief i was I was in my head quite a bit, you yeah. know I was in my head quite a bit. I think you've probably gotten into this already, but I am gonna. I know you've talked a lot about Maddie's memory in the beginning of the podcast, um, but is there anything else you want to add about the resources that you provide for parents and what your organization is doing to raise awareness about the challenges of pregnancy and infancy death? I think you got into this in pretty good detail in the beginning, but I want to see if there's anything else you want to add to that already.
1: There is. Um, we actually, because the bere- I did receive bereavement support, and, but I should back up to that as to the reason why I didn't mention how much I received. The bereavement support I was given was one sheet of paper with a list of counselors and therapists and support groups. And when I started calling them, it was, we got a six to eight month wait list.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't do that anymore. That support group has closed and it was, that's why I dismissed it at the beginning as to, you know, mentioning it because there was nothing that was needed right there and then available. So what I decided to do is I went online, found all these different resources for, and thought of myself as though, okay, if I was looking for this information now, what information would I be looking for? And I was looking for information on what can I do for myself. So we put together folders that contain information on a father's grief, importantly as well, because a lot of times fathers are overlooked during pregnancy loss. We found information that helped explain different sorts of loss, because not every pregnancy loss people categorize the same. There's people who have ectopic pregnancies Mm -hmm. early miscarriages. um there's one that people are kind of on the edge about in regards to where you terminate for medical reasons um stillbirth so we get all the information that we can about each individual type of loss details what you can do for a funeral or memorial service and there's a lot more and we put it all in a folder and we send out about 20 of those every other month to each individual hospital is so important because it really does help. And it also includes different organizations that have either online counseling groups and group, you know, bereavement groups or in-person ones. So there's a lot of information there that hopefully somebody will be able to find what I refer to as their fit because as you know, grief support isn't one size fits all. You have to find your fit like a pair of shoes, you know, you got to find the fit that's comfortable for you. But the other thing we also do that started because Matthew was 21 weeks. So he was a very, very tiny baby. There were no clothes available for him and the hospital that he was born at did have some burial gowns, but they were all for bigger babies who I want to say were about four pounds and up. Matthew was way, way smaller than that. He was under one pound. So we started making burial gowns in all sizes. I, the smallest size we make is the size Matthew was. And Matthew in length was six and a half inches, just to give you a size of how small he was. Mm-hmm about the size of a smartphone maybe a little bit bigger so we do them that small all the way up actually we do them up to a year old in size because you know if baby is going to nick you or the pick you and tragedy happens we want to make sure families have options so we do that and to date we've donated twenty-five thousand handmade burial gowns.
0: Wow, that's incredible.
1: And that's not including the gowns that I have here that I actually was making this morning Um, and gowns that are ready to go out already. Those are actually donated worldwide, not just in the U.S., worldwide.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Um, It sounds like Maddie's memory is has been very impactful uh, just in many different areas all over the country and all over the world. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. And I'm so glad that there's somebody out there like yourself who's doing the meaningful work to raise awareness about the challenges regarding newborn death and stillborn loss. Uh, that That is absolutely fabulous. And that's, uh, you know, we need more. We need to clone you. We need more we need more of you out there, there to do are, that
1: there are more people out there who do the same thing as what i do mm-hmm. um, and we do work with other organizations like i'm the wisconsin ambassador for count the kicks and they've proven that one third of preventable stillbirths would be saved if families knew about counting their baby's fetal movements. Mm-hmm. So I go out and I do events where I educate families on that. Um, I work with March of Dimes in regards to their bereavement side. And at the last March of Dimes event, we had NICU after NICU nurses all mm-hmm. coming up saying, Oh my gosh, it's you. Your you're man is memory. Oh we've heard a lot about you. You know this person told me that person told me we need to get more information from you so we can give our families that's what we want. You know I'm part of the Miss Foundation. I run a support group with through Miss Foundation. I'm one of their group facilitators and we reach out that way and every organization that there is out there that deals with pregnancy and infant loss you better believe that i have got my fingers in that person's eye saying let me help you let me help you what can i learn from you and it's not just about what i can educate somebody else in it's what they can also educate me in that i may be missing Mm -hmm. to make me better for the families i deal with i have friends who literally laugh at me because all i do is like okay I'm doing another course this week. They're like, again? Well, yeah, this one's the updated version of the one I did two years ago. They're like, but you did it two years ago, but it's updated. And that is what I try to do. I I have to, and I, this is part of how I my mind works in going back to wanting answers. I have to know all the information that is out there that can cause stillbirth. It cause pregnancy loss because I want to be able to, if at the end of the day say I saved one child from the information that I have, then Matthew's death wouldn't have been in vain. If one parent comes to me and says, because of what you do, I don't feel alone, then what Matthew's death wasn't in vain. And I've heard that from families, actually. I hear it from quite a few families now as time's gone on, like, thank you so much for giving our children a voice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you you know, as long as I'm breathing and I can talk, you better believe I will be your child's voice if you can't speak for them. I will do it. I will say their names.
0: Yep, and I know every parent who's ever experienced experience the death of a child, loves to hear their child's name um, from people who, who give them the gift of, of remembering. Hazel, as we're getting ready to wrap up, can you give our listeners one or two takeaways from your life path or your life journey that can you believe can be helpful to them in navigating their own challenges?
1: The one, one of the things I would say is don't hide your grief to make others feel comfortable. It's not your job to make them understand. It's your job to take care of you. And if by taking care of you, it means that on the day that your child was born, you celebrate that child any way you want to, you do it. Mm-hmm. If it makes somebody uncomfortable because you write on birthdays and Christmas cards with love from our family and, in my case, Matthew, and include their name, let that person be uncomfortable. It's not your job to make others understand. It's your grief. And you deal with it whatever way helps you, as long as you're not hurting anybody else. You do you and what you do for your grief and to remember your child, is going to be different from other people, but it's your child. It's not your job to make others understand.
0: No, and, and typically many in our society are very are still very hesitant to talk about death, have a fear of death. So if they're uncomfortable, from my perception, it's because they're, they're, they either don't want to talk about death, or they or that reflects their own fear of death. So it's either one, you know, it's it's it's, it's those two things that really speak to right. me. So, if people want to contact you, find out more about Maddie's memory, find out more about services, find out about events that you have going on, and I'll put this in the program notes that you know, when the, the podcast goes public, where can people find it?
1: You can find me at maddysmemory.org. Look for the little turtle logo. All of It's so easy actually to find us. Even if you just Google us, if you find a logo that has a turtle on it, that is us. You can find us on Facebook by doing the same. Instagram, TikTok, all media platforms. We're on there. Just Google Maddysmemory. Um, and you can contact me through there. My email is on there. And I can help you. And if I can't help you, I will find somebody who can.
0: That's great. And that's one of the things we lose sight of, is that we can't be all things to all people. And if we don't have the resources to meet the needs of those who call on us, it's our responsibility to, 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 to hook them up with those people who can. And I'm, I'm glad that you you embody that philosophy as well, too, Hazel.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Well, with that... That is another wrap of another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. Hazel, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today and for sharing your wisdom and insights about the challenges of newborn loss with our listeners. And I hope we can do it again sometime.
1: Absolutely. Anytime I'm available.
0: Very good. And with that, this is Dave Roberts. I am going to sign off. But before I do that, I want to wish you peace peace. Thank you for listening to this episode, and please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.